Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're raising our prices. Quick, what's 17% of zero dollars? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you this week. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, uh, including a uh, some friction between the Smash World <laughs> Tour and Nintendo and Panda Global. And then on Thursday, we are having the uh, third annual Cardi Awards. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, Patrick, we have talked previously on the show about um, how much I love cereal and uh-huh. eating a Not lot of Not the podcast, cereal. but like eating cereal out of a bowl. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. And so, um, but listeners may also know that cereal is generally very sugary. And so I tried one of those, you might have heard it advertised on other podcasts, like one of those uh, cereals. No free ads, Mark. Mark, no free ads here. I was was stumbling (laughs) over it, but I'm not going to do it. One of those uh, like uh, advertised cereals that, you know, like uh, they're like One of these spell casting bowls. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That, um, you know, they use sugar substitutes, but it's supposed to taste just like, you know, like Fruit Loops or something like that. And so I saw it at Target, had never tried it, finally tried it. And um, uh, the taste is whatever. But the but I was looking at the mm. ingredients and, you know, cereal generally is like barely just food stuff. But looking at this, it is just barely, barely food stuff. Like the first ingredient... Right is whey and soy protein or like casein protein. And then uh and then it's all the sugar substitutes. And then way down there, like fourth or fifth, is tapioca. So this is just whey protein <laughs> and sugar substitutes <laughs> held together right. in fruit loop form by tapioca. That's all it is. I mean I mean I, I think but I think that's fair and fine though because like like you say most cereal is like Frankenstein food right that like uh the the fact that like honey nut cheerios is like good for your heart has iron in it that's because they like inject that stuff into <laughs> each individual cheerio I know but for some reason and maybe it's because I've been a cereal eater for a really long time and so right. I have grown accustomed to like the first ingredient in all of these being like uh enriched enriched wheat flour with made with whole wheat and i'm like ah this is real food stuff whether it is or not in my head it plays that way mark it's all just different food stuff <laughs> pressed into a, a loop shape like that's all it is i mean all uh, this let, is- let me ask you this yeah I, I, so I, I recently discovered that I have a thing with um, diet Coke, and I assume other this will extend to other diet sodas, where um, I, I drink one and it gives me a headache uh, because I am getting the like flavor sensa- sensation of something very sweet, and so my uh, body, pre- my mind prepares my body for like you're about to get this extra energy from sugar, and then there's no sugar. 
Interesting. And so I, I have like a crash. I have like a, a like like a sugar crash, um, but like almost immediately upon drinking a, a Diet Coke. Do you experience this at all with like uh, artificial sweeteners at all? I feel like it's really hard to tell because it's like, is do I feel terrible because it's the artificial sweetener? <laughs> or do I feel terrible because I just ate a whey and casein protein wrapped in a thin veneer of tapioca pressed right, right. into a loop form? Right. And you know, right. eat like two and a half cups of it. Or do you feel because you uh, feel terrible because you've just borrowed my copy of Sonic Forces? As our listeners could, all you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you not tapioca and whey protein pressed together in the shape of a ring, but many gold rings in the form of my copy of Sonic Forces. Um, you can play the game for as long as you like. I pay for postage both ways. That's to you and then back to me so that we can send it back out to someone who is not you who can then send it back to me. I pay for postage four times in that equation. Uh, you, It costs you nothing. Uh, but it may it may cost you this. It may cost you the fact that there's a, an untitled goose game in there instead of Sonic Forces. That's just something that happens it's part of the program it is the perfect borrowing program uh yes mark before we get to this next part i just want to say that in the when i was younger when in the early years of this show um i used to dread the debug but now i've learned to embrace it because yeah let's embrace the debug because being wrong is you know part of how you grow well, and that's uh, Mark is saying this because we are about to head into a, a debug because um, I made a mistake last week. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, the, a, this is how we grow. And B, uh, it gives us the freedom to be wrong because then we'll just correct it later, which is beautiful. I, I love the opportunity to be wrong. <laughs> um last week i don't i don't know what i called it i don't know what words tumbled out of my mouth but i was trying to describe the fire emblem themed muso game that i picked up on sale from uh best buy uh the name of the game is fire emblem warriors three hopes not at all what i said i believe i said fire emblem heroes three houses or something like that <laughs> uh but so thank you to uh uh uh, I believe Silvergrass Moon in the Discord um, for pointing out my mistake. Uh, it's uh, it, look the, these naming conventions are absurd. I'm not like sh I shouldn't be making excuses. <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong, and I apologize. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So Splatoon 3 is in its chill season right now, launched on December 1st, and I um, have been playing a little bit of the game, mostly, so I feel like, and somebody, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we're embracing it. Uh, we're embracing it, debug away. <laughs> I, I don't know that I can actually, like, I, well, okay, what I was going to say is that uh, I don't know that I can actually benefit from a lot of the content in chill season, because I haven't progressed that far in like i don't play a ton of turf war so there's a lot of like items from uh that i can't get but i actually don't think that's true i just can't get the items from last season anymore right uh but i could i can start earning the new items that are in this one i'm pretty sure that's how it works anyways okay. i've been playing splatoon 3 um mostly salmon run getting ready for uh the big run this weekend. I'll unfortunately be like, oh, is that this weekend? Yeah. Oh, so yes. I, we'll talk about a little bit of news, but I've unfortunately, yeah. I'll unfortunately be traveling for the majority of it. But I'm hoping to get 
in a little bit on uh, Friday afternoon. But man, I I not a ton to say other than I just I love Salmon Run, and uh, it, it was a good opportunity because I had kind of put Splatoon three down and wasn't playing it as often. So you know the start of this new season was a good reason for me to get into it again. I, I should check back in on it in, in, in much the same way for much the same reason. Because man, that big run like that's that's exciting. I, I want to just like experience it if nothing else, and it'd be great to not be terrible at the game when it happens, right? That's the that's always the that's goal. always the goal. <laughs> um, Mark, I have been playing not just misremembering the name of Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Um, uh, you know, a- after picking it up on uh, Black Friday, I uh have actually now spent some time with it th- this weekend. Uh, and I continue to like everything that I liked about it when I was playing the the demo version. Gotta say, I love having the import my demo save. Uh, like feature in that so i can just like jump right in at chapter four does it mean that i was a little bit lost in the story when i started yes um but you know the the story is mostly nonsense anyway and the characters are all characters that i know from three houses so i already have affinity for a lot of them uh edelgard uh caspar uh lindhart these guys are great i'm just happy to see them again um and the uh you know it 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 remains impressive to me how much the between fights portions of fire emblem warriors three hopes resembles the between fight portions of fire emblem three houses um that like it's it's not quite as robust but like all of the same like training and cooking and uh like all that kind of stuff like still happens and you're still building these relationships um but now there's like uh, there are uh, a few more characters in there um and you're also like upgrading your camp um and i don't know i'm just like i'm just like thrilled to be back in the world of three houses that's really cool i'm curious uh and this is not like a you're not making a commitment or a promise or anything but i like are do you are do you think you're enjoying it enough that you will see it through to the end i i think it's possible like there's it's so like chill and low impact. One of the things that I really like about the the combat portions of it, again, this is a Muso game. It plays like a Dynasty Warriors uh, or a Hyrule Warriors. Um, uh, but one of the things that I really like about it is that um, it makes very clear the. I don't know if you can do this in in, in other uh, Warriors games, but uh, like at any point in this one, you can pull up the map and you can select your other units, the units that you're not controlling, and send them to other places on the map um to like fight enemies like in very uh fire emblem sort of style and you can see like the weapons triangle in there so like you know like okay these guys have axes and they're going up against these guys that have spears great uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna win that one um and then like so like i'm running around on the battlefield uh you know playing it in regular warriors fashion but also sort of on the side running a like strategic like rts um which is just like a, a fun a fun little like combo. Uh and so yeah, I mean I, I think I think I'm drawn in enough by the between fight stuff and I'm enjoying the fights well enough. And I don't really mind like when I'm just like hacking away on on bad guys and I just got like a podcast going. Like that's 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 perfect chill hangout time for me. The thing is, so right now I'm uh, mostly going back and forth between that and God of War Ragnarok. Um 
which God of War Ragnarok uh, r- remains great. It's a wonderful game, uh, but it fully demands all of your senses as you're playing it, right? Like um, they're talking almost all the time uh, and it's like compelling story and like good acting. So like, I want to hear it. Um, but like, it's so many video games I engage with while like having some other like auditory thing happening, be it a, a podcast or uh, an audiobook or even just listening to music. Um and it's uh, I, I, I find now that playing a game that requires all of that attention uh, to be a little limiting. Um, but I mean, is, is that weird, Mark? Do, do, you, do you relate to that? No, I, I completely relate to it. I feel like it's one of just like my ongoing struggles with like uh, being able to spend time in a game is that I've, I feel like um, <clears throat> I want to have like the perfect you know, situation, the perfect setup where I'm like, okay, I, you know, have done everything I need to do for the day. And now I can just sit down and I can just uh, immerse myself in this game uninterrupted for like two or three hours. And that's just not a thing that like exists in my life currently. And so, you know, it's, uh, um, so I feel like it's kind of that same thing where it's like, yeah, when you have a game that demands your full attention and like, uh, it just makes it um, uh, more of a, it just feels like more of a commitment. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, God of War just keeps going. What a long game! <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I believe I uh, crossed the the twenty hour mark uh, o- over the weekend, and I am like nowhere near the end of this game. Um, well, and then have Mark, you, both you. Yeah. I was just gonna ask for with God of War. Have you tried just like not doing any button inputs? Because I know that's a trick they've pulled in the past. What do you mean? Well, what what was it? God of War three or something that the game doesn't end? Like you just keep beating up uh, what's his name until <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. What's his name? Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's his face? Look, the end of God of War three on uh PlayStation on PlayStation three. Uh, one of the great endings of a video game where it will never prompt you to stop pushing the circle button uh, to smash Zeus's head further. Um, uh, and it just like fulfills your bloodlust that you can wail on his head literally forever. It never stops. Um, uh, and then, you know, then when you do finally stop, uh, you see that the, the world is in ruins because you destroyed their gods. Uh, oops. <laughs> uh, great game uh, and, and a great ending. Mark, you and I have both been playing The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past uh, where because we were talking about it on the Super Gamer Boys podcast. So if you um, subscribe to their Patreon, you can go and check out that conversation. Uh, Mark, I think we had, had a very fun and insightful conversation with uh, Adrian and Garrett. Yeah, thanks so much to them for having us on. Yep, so check that out if you can. Um, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. <laughs> River City Girls is the Nintendo Switch Online game trial for North America, and it's available this week, uh, starting today, December 6th, running through December 12th. And if you are a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber, you can play it for free. Just like the other game trials, uh, it's the full game. But uh, if you participate in the trial, you also get 100 platinum points. Um, so I, I was just thinking about this today. So this is cool. I'm excited about it. I, I think uh, River City Girls is one of those games that I probably should have picked up in the first place. Um, I've been digging the like vibe of the like modern retro brawler. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge was, I think, probably my favorite new game of this last year. Um, so uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm going to check this out. Mark, do you? Th- I, I've never really reflected on this, but do you think it's weird that um, Nintendo opens this up for a week? First of all, these things happen so infrequently, right? And they open these things up for a week, and it's not that you have a week to download the game for free. It's that you have a week to play the game for free. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, it feels very Nintendo to do it this yes. way. But also, uh-huh. yeah, why are it? Seems like these should just be running constantly. Like one yeah. ends and another one begins. Instead of like you said, it's like so infrequent that I almost forget that it's a thing that they do. Totally. Or or like yeah, a a that right that it happens so infrequently that I forget that it's a thing that they do. Um, but then like you compare it to something like the the PlayStation Plus free games. Um, and like as long as you download the game during that month, or even just like mark it as like you're redeeming it. Um, then you can access it forever as long as you're a subscriber. Um, and like, that's just so much more generous, but it's the same like level of game. Like I'm sure River City Girls has been this on PlayStation Plus uh, or like has been for free on um, uh, Xbox's Game Pass. Um, couldn't remember the name of the uh, service that I've unsubscribed to twice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I'm interested in checking this out. Hopefully, I'm gonna have some time this week to uh to uh play it a little bit. And then the other new release I wanted to call out is that on f- this Friday, December 9th, Dragon Quest Treasures is released, which um is like a spinoff game that is I think kind of like a prequel starring Eric from Dragon Quest Eleven, and I don't have to say the full name because it's all versions of Dragon Quest Eleven that he's in. And wow. his younger sister, Mia. And um, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that this uh, started out life as a Dragon Quest Monsters game, which is like a, a, a spin-off franchise. Or, spin-off franchise? Or, yeah, basically like a side franchise of uh, Dragon yeah. the mainline Dragon Quest games. But kind of turned into its own thing. Um, but, yeah, comes out. Th- and I... To be comp- the I saw previews that started to be released for it, and they are positive for what they're posting so far. But I think it's just hmm. like the early beginnings of the game. But uh, I, to be completely honest, do not really understand what this game is. But I like Dragon Quest Eleven a lot. Um, Eric is a great character, and uh, it looks kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you, and uh, I also checked out some of the 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 preview um, stuff uh, today, uh, and I. S- still don't totally understand like i don't get what the moment to moment gameplay is no and they take I, some of them mention like oh this is like you know i you can see how it comes from dragon quest monsters or something just taking for granted that i will understand that what that means. we know what that is yeah, yeah we don't know what that means <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i uh i also uh, am interested in this game i want to see like how it reviews and if I can ever <laughs> understand what the game actually is. Um, but I, I like um, Eric and Mia a lot um, from Dragon Quest XI. Uh, I, I thought the, the the story beats around their relationship and like what happens to them as, as kids, um, I, I found that to be very compelling. Uh, so like if this game is like effectively spending more time with them, I think I got to check it out. Um they're also a little bit more in like that that chibi style, a little bit the Dragon Quest Builders um, aesthetic, uh, which I, I like a lot too. So um, this is coming out on like everything, right? Not yeah. just Switch. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it may be something that appeals to me more on a non-Switch platform. Um, and this, 
maybe one to like really keep that in mind to just like see how performance is everywhere yeah i think that's fair i think it's like an open world ish game or you know it has like large fields and um yeah it might be one that it ends up running better on other platforms but yeah but i mean like the the builders games run uh fine on 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 switch mark do you know if this is on uh on switch being published by nintendo or is it being published by uh square enix my assumption is is because it's on other platforms that it's being published by square enix so I mean that the the uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch is published by Nintendo on Switch, uh, as are the uh, two Builders games, um, and I, I think some of that is because they had to like do something special to bring it to that platform. Uh huh. Um, but I I just uh, it's. Uh, it, interesting that like nintendo has been like no we need to publish these things on our platform we'll do whatever we need to do to like be the publisher for that well i i just looked it up to see and it is even on the switch this one is published by square enix very interesting okay great that that thank you mark for looking that up and answering my question um so we're gonna keep an eye on this look we we are committed to our dragon quest 11s echoes of an elusive age definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch. Did I, did I say it right? You did, yeah. <laughs> we are committed to that fandom. Um, so uh, it's possible that we investigate this one at, at one point or another. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, where a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Mark, why don't you set up this quiz that we're doing together? Yeah, so uh, what we're doing today is in the spirit of the season... Uh, we are going to read through some plot synopsises, synopsi, synopses, synopses for uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie, but some of them are fake. These were written by uh, BuzzFeed in 2017. I don't know why the date is important, but it, it there you go. Uh, so we're going to take pre-pandemic. Turns. It's important <laughs> yeah, to know. That's right. So we're going to go back and forth. Um, and uh, we'll read the synopsis and then try to determine whether it's true or false. Neither of us know the answers to these. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, newly single and unemployed, Elise finds herself running her family's Christmas tree lot. Unfortunately, the lot has a new landlord who has zero Christmas spirit and who threatens to shut them down. With the help of a handsome customer, Darren, Elise tries to save her family's business. What do you think? My gut... I don't know. Since it's the first one on the quiz, I'm trying to outsmart the quiz. This is the first yeah. one on the quiz. I want to say real, but to me, it sounds like the stakes are too high for a, for a Hallmark Christmas movie. I don't know that there's that much bah humbug in like a, a Hallmark Christmas movie. Ooh, interesting. I so I I, I don't know about that. I, I feel like that the stakes are too grounded, which mm. makes me think that it's fake. <laughs> okay, so like they they're they're high, but they're grounded. You so, know what I mean? Yeah. So fake for different reasons, but we're going yeah. with fake. Okay, we're going with fake. No, it was oh, true. It was, it was real. It's true. It's it's, it's called real. fur crazy. I should have I should have known the first one on the quiz. Should have gone with your real. gut. That's okay. Here we go. A set of identical twins are dissatisfied with their current situations, so they decide to switch lives for the Christmas season. By doing so, they each learn the true meaning of their own lives. But not the true meaning of Christmas. Not I'm the, saying it's fake. I think you're right. I think it's fake. 
No, it's also real. No, uh, it's Switched for Christmas is the name of it. Ooh, starring Candace Cameron. No, thank you. Um, uh, all right. Catherine, a high-powered attorney, finds herself in a moral conundrum when she must represent a large corporation that's threatening to build on the, on the land a small town uses for its annual Christmas fair. I feel like my gut is all wrong on these, but I'm going to say this is real. But I think based you, on the quiz, yeah. it has to be fake. Because we've done two, re- unless this is one where they're just all real, and right. that's the psych out, that's the game of it. Um, I'm gonna, we're gonna defer to to your instincts on this one, Mark. What, what are you saying? I'm gonna real say, I oh my gosh, oh do you know what? Okay, I actually the plot sounds like it could be real to me, but I'm gonna say fake only because the quiz has had two real ones so far. It is fake. All right, that's 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 not real. Okay. Jessica is in charge of finding a Santa for her town's Christmas parade, but her only option is a stubborn Uber driver who lives 200 miles away. She hires him for a trip home in the hopes of convincing him to take the Santa gig. Ooh, and then it would all like take place like in uh, like on the Uber ride. And how is it her only option? And if he lives 200 miles away, then how does he how does she get him to come all the way out to where this is fake. This is this. <laughs> we can't wrap our heads around the logic. It's got to be fake. Oh, it's real. Oh, it's real. <laughs> it's uh, called Finding, Finding Santa. Santa. Jody Sweet, uh, though, another Full House alum. Keeping. Uh, uh, there we go. And and one one who's more queer friendly than That's right. uh, Candace Cameron. Uh, is is it me now or you? It's you. Okay, a former hotel maid becomes a governess for a young girl, only to find out that the girl is actually a princess with a very handsome father. <laughs> Uh, uh, sounds like it could be real to me. It sounds real to me too. Let's let's go real. It is real. That's uh, that's the plot to crown for Christmas. Ashley is a marriage counselor who is unlucky in love, but when she starts counseling an older couple who look remarkably like Mr. and Mrs. Claus, she falls in love with their son Matthew. I think this is fake, but I would I would watch this movie. Patrick, that's my. I feel the same exact way. I'm like. It, this is, I think it's fake. It's too good. But it's too good. This should be a movie. <laughs> Let's choose fake. And we're right. It is oh, fake. Oh, man. Oh, it's um, good. We've got, we've got 11 seconds left on the timer here, but we're just going to do this last one. Um, uh, a seamstress finds out that her boyfriend is actually a prince when, when she travels to his home to meet the royal in-laws. So this to me sounds like a riff on the uh uh like Christmas yeah, Christmas Prince, Prince. uh huh mm-hmm. but is not the plot of Christmas Prince so I think this one is fake. I'm gonna say that it's real um because I think most of these movies uh are are riffs on Christmas Prince. Do you think that okay I'm gonna guess the title we're gonna say it's real and I'm gonna guess the title is A Stitch for Christmas. A Royal Christmas is what it is. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Uh, starring Lacey Chabert and Jane Seymour. <laughs> All right. We didn't get to the end of the quiz, but uh, we were accompanied today by a timer on my iPhone 7 Plus. Uh, Mark, let's get into the news. Last Tuesday, Nintendo held another short direct to show the, to premiere the trailer, the second trailer. For the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, I followed the same format as the first. You got Shigeru Miyamoto. You got Chris Melandandri from Il- Illumination. Like uh, c- congratulating each other. And then Anya. T- <laughs> and then you got a couple actors from the movie. Um, giving a little like spiel up top uh, via Zoom. 
this time you got Anya Taylor Joy playing, who's playing Princess Peach, and Seth Rogen who's playing Donkey Kong instead of Chris Pratt and Jack Black. So the trailer gave us our first look at uh, Princess Peach and Donkey Kong in the movie. I don't know, Patrick. Any uh, any thoughts on this reveal? Uh, well, so I mean, for, first, just you know, the, the the format by which they do these things, it, it it's so funny that like they're going to keep. This is it. Like, this is how they uh, publicize movies is they're like, it's a trailer, but there's a preamble with, like, the the two guys at the top. And then, like, the actors got to, like, try and convince you that they have memories of, of playing uh, video games. Uh, and I got to say, uh, Seth Rogen coming in with enough specifics and with enough Seth Rogen energy that I believe him <laughs> um, and, like, got excited to uh, see his Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think Seth Rogen was definitely the Jack Black of this direct. Although yes. I thought Andy, Anya Taylor-Joy acquitted herself just fine. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, she acquitted herself just fine. Didn't say anything weird like stomping Koopas <laughs> in the arcades like like Chris Pratt did. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, on to the, uh, the uh, trailer itself. Um, feeling pretty good about this movie at this point. Yeah, I think it looks cute. There were... Um... Okay, so when Mario, there's like a moment, maybe at the very beginning, where like Mario walks out into this arena where, you know, all yeah. of like Bowser's minions are cheering and he has to go face to face with Donkey Kong. I was like, oh, somebody else saw Thor Ragnarok too. And then, um, and then the other part I thought was interesting was when, um, like, just you see glimpses of it, but it seems like. The classic Super Mario Brothers, like from the first game level design, is in this game almost or in this movie almost as like a training ground, like a wipeout esque, yeah. you know, like uh, obstacle course that Mario tries to get through while he's training for something with Princess Peach. Yeah, well, and you can see some of like those. Uh, sorry, what what was the point that you were driving at about the the beginning as he's squaring off against Donkey Kong? Oh, it just reminded me of the part in Thor Ragnarok when just Hulk that and, remind you of Ragnarok, yeah, yeah, like when Hulk and Thor like fight each other. Um, we, absolutely. Uh, I I do I anticipate that there won't be any like turn here of like I'm friends with Donkey Kong. Like I think the the Donkey Kong is going to be like a menace to him in. Uh, in in this encounter, um, I, I thought you were going to refer to the um, the deadly serious "let's a go" moment from oh. <laughs> from uh, Chris Pratt's uh, Mario. Um, yeah, I uh, how how are you feeling about um, uh, ab- about that voice at this point? Um, I like I don't really have any feelings about it. Like I've um. I think it's fine, which is actually probably like uh, the best case scenario out of this, based on my fears of a year ago, or whenever it was, like nine months ago when we found out that Chris Pratt was going to be the voice. Um, You know, I was uh, kind of like not looking forward to that, but now it, like, I don't really feel one way or the other about it. How about you? I I, I mean, I I feel pretty good about it, frankly. Um, uh, And it's, I, I don't I don't want to put much stock in like uh you know groupthink reactions uh, especially as they appear on like social media or Twitter specifically, um but like I do think that people are looking for s- looking to dislike the Chris Pratt Mario voice, um for obvious reasons, um but uh but I I don't dislike it it doesn't sound low effort to me uh, which is a criticism that I've seen, um and it just like. 
I don't know. It, it seems like the the rest of the movie is going to be like fun and colorful and uh, like pretty good. And uh, most of what he's doing fits into that. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 generally uh, pretty pretty positive on on what we've seen so far. Well, speaking of internet like uh, groupthink, I will say one uh, group that I agree with are those that are saying that Mario's butt is not big enough. Yes. Just fill out those jeans a little bit. (laughs) That's it. And then uh, the second part is that I am really liking these, like, kind of uh, of, like slowed down, like, serious orchestration versions of of the Super Mario Brothers theme. It does make me wonder if it'll be like a Rise of Skywalker situation where it's not actually in the movie. It's not in the movie. Uh huh. That is just created for the trailer. But I think they're pretty cool. So this is obviously a trend in in trailers because it's also what's happening in the Indiana Jones Five trailer, uh, that like the slowed down like big orchestral hits of of the Indiana Jones theme, and I found that it bothered me in the Dial of Destiny trailer that I was like, I didn't like this is it not either. The spirit, yeah. Sorry, listeners. Patrick and I haven't actually talked about the Dial of Destiny. Trailer. We haven't talked about it yet. Um, <laughs> Let's do it right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I it bo- it bothered me too. Look, I am super excited for that movie. I think uh, James yeah, Van Gogh. It's a great choice. Yep. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun, but I I did not like the musical cue that uh, accompanied the trailer. I agree with you 100%. It feels like a betrayal to the spirit, and I understand that you could apply this exact same logic to the Mario music, but it feels like a, a betrayal of the spirit of the Indiana Jones music, which is like he's riding a horse, he's catching up to a tank, like he's having, it's an adventure, and to be like, no, it's like an it's like a heroic, it's like an epic noble adventure. Like no, yeah, no, I I I completely agree with you. And you know, eventually it like kicks in and you get the the um like Raiders fanfare and everything. But it yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just did not wor- it didn't work for me. It was definitely supposed to be tickling. That's those same like nostalgia buttons. And maybe it was supposed to be like if you saw it in theaters without knowing that it was an Indiana Jones trailer, you'd be yeah. like, is this yeah. Indiana Jones? But in the context of, hey, there's a new trailer for the Indiana Jones movie, and it's called Dial of Destiny. Click here to watch it. It didn't really work for right. me. Well, and I also wonder if there's just something about like tone that's being established there, because when when they do the heavy orchestration of the Mario theme, um, it's funny, right? Like it's 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 it it moves something in you, but it's also like this is funny. It's a little ridiculous, and I think that's the spirit of the movie, right? Uh, whereas Indiana Jones is not is not that. Like yeah. it's not laughing at itself. No, and it I just feels it, it. It made it feel a little too portentous. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing yep, else to say I, about I uh, the, the Mario movie. <laughs> uh, all right. We will look, we will now stop. Have we, we've declared that we are stopping talking about the Mario movie multiple times uh, through the run of this podcast. Uh, and now we will stop talking about it again until the next trailer is released, introduced by, you know, Charlie Day and Keegan Michael Key, uh, which is a hundred percent who it's going to be. <laughs> Whatever is happening. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> We have to talk about what is happening with Smash World Tour, um, Nintendo, and Panda Global. So, yes. There's a lot here. So, Smash World Tour is uh, it's a worldwide collection of tournaments featuring Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And it, they are claiming that it has been shut down by Nintendo and Nintendo disputes that. And that's kind of where things stand at the moment. 
Right. And there's obviously a lot more details here to color in what exactly has happened. Um, but uh, so just uh, here, here, here's here's some context for how the Smash World Tour um, describes themselves and describes like their importance and their size. Um, quote, in, in 2022 alone, we connected over 6,400 live events worldwide with over 325,000 in-person entrants, making the Smash World Tour the largest esports tour in history for any game title. Uh, the, the championships also would have had the largest prize pool in Smash history at over $250,000. The 2023 Smash World Tour planned to have a prize pool of over $350,000. So, like, not not a small or insignificant organization or series of events by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and the championships were due to be held this weekend, so starting December 9th. But, co- but according to the organizers, they received word the day before Thanksgiving that they could not legally proceed with any further events. Um, this all despite a sort of, like soft non-agreement they had between uh with them and nintendo where like smash world tour did what they did with virtually no support or or interference from nintendo basically they weren't like officially licensed but nintendo was taking like a basically just like a hands-off approach right it it seemed like they weren't like out of communication with each other that they you know it wasn't bizarre for them for Nintendo to call a meeting for them to have you know this discussion where uh wherein they are supposedly told that they can no longer do the tournament um but uh yeah yeah so it's 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 not they're 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 not they don't have a formal partnership um but they had been allowed to operate in doing what they were doing for at least the last year. I don't really uh, know the the history of uh, Smash World Tour. Right. And there seems to be some kind of disagreement or ambiguity about what exact, why exactly it was that Nintendo was telling them they had to stop right now. Um, so some reports suggest that Nintendo uh, didn't actually tell them to cancel the championship. Uh, but the very fact that apparently there was this like Wednesday before Thanksgiving meeting just a couple of weeks before the championship seems that there was like some sort of urgency to whatever Nintendo yeah, was it, trying to talk about. It it, it it certainly implies an urgency. Um, there's a, a statement that Nintendo supplied to Kotaku that reads um, that they quote, did not request any changes or uh, changes to or cancellation of remaining events in 2022, including the 2022 championship event. But that's um that has been uh, uh, refuted by the organizers of, of the event. So it's it's unclear um, what exactly went down in this meeting or how it was expressed. Yeah, so according to Smash World Tour, the organizers of the tournament, um, they asked to run an unlicensed tournament in 2023. So they're currently unlicensed, uh, asked to continue to run an unlicensed tournament in 2023 while continuing continuing to negotiate a license for 2024. But again, according to them, Nintendo told them no. And then Nintendo also allegedly told them that they hadn't, quote, met expectations around health and safety guidelines, nor had they, quote, adhered to internal partner guidelines. 
Now, at this point, we got to zoom out and rewind a little bit um, because uh, Evo last year, which is a big fighting game uh, tournament that, you know, in, in incorporated a, a lot of different games, including Smash Brothers, um, was sort of canceled amid controversy of uh, there being um, uh, uh, abuse and all of these uh, things within the community, particularly around the uh, Smash Brothers community, which made uh, all video game publishers kind of gun shy about partnering with Evo. Uh, Sony bought Evo so that they could uh, do it themselves, um, and like basically everyone withdrew their support from uh, from that event until like Sony came in as the grownups to be like we're going to run this thing, we're going to take corporate responsibility for it, legal responsibility for it, and just run it all ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, Smash has not been a part of that, uh, and it's always sort of been seen uh, that Nintendo was trying to get more control over that stuff, but doesn't have a, a ton of experience of actually running ongoing like tournaments and stuff. They do like Nintendo World Championships and stuff like that, um, but the sort of ongoing... Uh, care that the fighting game community would need uh, is not something that uh, Nintendo like really does. So they did license Smash Brothers to a company called Panda Global. Now there's history with Panda Global and the uh, Smash events that they uh, were were uh, attempting to host, and the uh, specifically um, with this is when the the character of uh, Alan Bunny shows up. He's the CEO of uh, of Panda Global. Um, and this guy has a reputation for being uh, like a little bit of a business bully um, uh, using the exclusivity of the Smash license to sort of bully um, partners of the Smash World Tour into doing business with him instead of doing business with them. Um, uh, allegedly. He denies allegedly. all of this. This is all allegedly. Yeah. Yes. He, de but he, he denies all of this. He denies all of this. Um, and, you know, there, there, there's also just an element where, like, as Nintendo's official partner with the actual license, um, he may be operating within uh, totally reasonable bounds of, like, yeah, you know, uh, they have the official license to do these things, um, or to, to run these tournaments and, like, make whatever partnerships that, you know, could be with the someone who has the license to do this, right? Um uh, well, it, and so it, in any event, what, whatever, whatever his uh, motivations, whatever like deviousness is there, uh, he got uh, sort of like um, tagged by the Smash uh, and like the fighting game community in general as the villain of this. Um, and uh, he Bunny has since stepped down, uh, stepped down slash was pushed out, was fired. Uh, also unclear um, from Panda Global. So. Mark, where are we at the end of this? Well, hold on. Before we or is get there to, more? Yeah, okay. before, before we get to the end, I want to say that, uh, you know, at the time that Nintendo partnered with uh, Panda Global, we were like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It's a way for Nintendo yes. to align with, like, professionals who, you know, so they don't get into, like, an Evo-type mess. And then uh, when these, you know, uh, when Smash World Tour came out and said that Nintendo forced us to cancel. There were a lot of allegations that, um, you know, like Panda, Glo Panda Global, like you were saying, Patrick, was basically kind of being a bully and being like, hey, we're officially licensed, so you need to tell these guys to either, like, you know, like, pay up or, right. like, shut them down. 
And so, Panda- which as as someone paying for the license, I you gotta assume like if you if you pay for an exclusive license and then Nintendo is letting someone operate without the license, like I can understand the motivation for wanting to enforce the exclusivity. So Panda Global was like silent for days and then released a statement on its own, saying basically backing up what Nintendo said, which is that um, you know first of all Panda Cup like the Panda Cup team didn't have anything to do with. The cancel like Nintendo telling uh, Smash World Tour that they need to cancel, um, and but then also in the statement there's this like weird bit that says uh, this Alan Bunny guy quote uh, first of all yeah he's been like a outspoken supporter of the fighting game community and Smash World Tour specifically but then also uh, he had spoken to a company called Beyond the Summit which is an esports network. Quote, in a manner which did not reflect either guidance from Nintendo or, or our own standards. As such, uh, Panda Global, quote, has taken efforts to rectify the situation um, to remove the possibility of future miscommunication from occurring. So just, like, weird. All of this is just so Yeah, weird. it's all very weird. Right. So, like, it's unclear if, like, he's an opportunist or just, like, a corporate bully or if there's something even, like worse at play here it's there's no point in speculating on that so i apologize for uh (laughs) starting down that road but like yeah it's just uh there's there's so much there's so much messiness here um and like the 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 thing that sucks is that like in in the wake of all of this smash world tour is you know effectively like financially ruined um and uh doesn't doesn't get to operate anymore um you know, uh, tournaments and organizations uh, do go under all the time, um, but it's you know you don't you don't like to see a uh, a community of of passionate people not get to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's just a it's um uh I wish we knew more, and I hope that more does come out so that there's like some amount of like it it would be sad if this is the total resolution that there is is that there's just complete disagreement on what actually happened and then <laughs> Smash World Tour, you know, like ceased to exist. But that yeah. that feels like the most likely outcome at this point to be completely honest. Um but uh I I don't know. I guess I'm hoping for some sort of uh something to put a bow on all of this cuz it's such a messy situation. Yeah. Yeah, tr- tr- truly a a messy situation, but I I think it's also um like messier than the sort of like headlines or community reaction would um, suggest, right? The community reaction uh, it has clear villains, uh, and I don't, I don't think, with the possible exception of this Alan Bunny guy, I don't know that there are any real villains. Yeah, you, it also makes you wonder um, what becomes of the relationship with uh, Nintendo and Panda Global going forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially when, like, there were those rumors of, like, a Zelda Netflix thing uh, that, like, someone talked about, and then Nintendo was like, well, forget it, we're not doing it then. Um, you know, that it's, it's an easy company to offend uh, when you're doing business with them. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Well, in other news, Microsoft has announced that they're joining Sony, Ubisoft, and Take-Two in pricing their new first-party releases at $70 in the United States starting next year. Um They've been 60 bucks for a long time since the 360 era. And so, you know, it's been a good amount of time since we've had a price release. The writing's kind of been on the wall once Sony and other companies started going that direction. 
But the reason I bring it up here, Patrick, is I'm just curious on your thoughts if Nintendo will follow suit when it releases its new hardware, you know, uh, in the future, whether next year, two years from that. Because I feel like historically Nintendo's kind of been a follower to this trend, not necessarily a leader. Not a leader. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I I feel like... It's it's tough to say because Nintendo historically has also had this like second arm of their uh, publishing that's been putting out 3DS or DS or Game Boy or whatever you know handheld games um, that are like always at a lower price point, right? Um, and uh, that's just especially as they have so many games like aimed at kids. Um, like the Pokemon game specifically is the first thing that comes to mind where it's like, if you're a kid, maybe you can even scrape together the 80 bucks to get both versions of like a, a DS game, but like 120 bucks to get both, um, uh, you know, Pokemon games on, on switch. Or if it goes up to 140 bucks to get both of them, like that, that, that starts to feel like an even taller and, and, and taller ask. Um, so I don't know. I do think that there is, um, and I, I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the pricing of the uh, PSVR 2. I think there is just like some catch up that uh, pricing needed to do before the the pandemic even um, that uh, developers and publishers were just finding other ways to make money through DLC or season passes or whatever. Um, and uh, they, they did that and it was like sort of a stopgap solution. Um, and now it's just like, yeah, they they need to catch up. Uh, if if you, uh, so yeah, I I think the seventy dollars is inevitable, uh, and I think that Nintendo will get there in, in time. Um, but you know, like I just think about like I I, I paid I paid eighty dollars for Chrono Trigger on Super Nintendo when 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 it came out. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it, you know nineteen ninety five or whatever. Um, so what that is in today's money, uh, that that game is super expensive. Um. I don't know. What 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 do you what do you think? Do you think it's only a matter of time before Nintendo meets them there? Yeah, I I I do. I think um one of the things uh, one thing that I was seeing online in discussion about this, which I think is an interesting point, is that you know Nintendo first party games don't really go on sale that often. So yeah. you know they maintain that sixty dollar value in a way that you know like an Ubisoft game or a Take Two game generally those go on sale uh fairly quickly after release and fairly often in a way that like nintendo just doesn't but well, I s- and, and and severely ev- eventually right eventually you can get a a, a, a three-year-old ubisoft game for like 10 bucks right and it's just like that's just not the nintendo model but at the same time um i it, i do think that it is inevitable but i do think also that nintendo will wait until like new hardware um mm, yeah but I, but I also feel like and you know you are seeing i feel like we have seen this with sony and i think that as games get more expensive i do think variable pricing will become more and more of a thing you've seen nintendo play with it a little bit you know like um uh warioware uh get it together get it together you know was like 50 bucks versus 60 um and nintendo switch sports was 40 instead of 60 Right. And right. So, it was forty. Yeah. Or maybe it was fifty with the the leg strap. Yeah. But I think you're right. Yeah. I think it was like forty digitally. But you know, so I I think that that will become more common as you know, like um, the price of games continues to grow, which I think is actually like a healthy thing. Where it's like, yeah, like maybe 
the cream of the crop AAA is like a $70 experience, but yeah, don't charge me 70 bucks for the next WarioWare game. Maybe the, and yeah. maybe that puts more room in there for those like 3DS style experiences that I hoped would come to Switch. Um but we just like haven't really seen. Like, you know what 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 does Nintendo price a new 2D Zelda game? You know, in the style of a link right. between worlds. Well, maybe in a world where the $70 price point exists, then that is like 60 or 50 bucks. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe it just yeah. gives more breathing room there. Right. Like, you know, they, they charged a full 60 bucks for Link's Awakening. Um, but that, you know, is like a, a, a graphical overhaul. And like you you can argue for like there being real real value there. I I think a better price for that game is, is, is 40 or $50. But like um, if they actually genuinely did a game that, you know, had less intensive uh, graphical demands um, that like actually did require less like development time uh, that they could sell for, for 40 bucks, like a true 3DS style game. Um, it seems like they should be able to do that. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe that's not of interest if they can, you know, I mean, uh, Pokemon at sixty dollars sold ten million copies over their their opening weekend. So you know what? Uh, why 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 would they why would they explore that scale? Uh, yeah, I yeah. It's just it's um uh, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to know for sure. Uh, but I just feel like because I feel like also what happened with like Sony and uh now Microsoft and the third party publishers is that for a while they were like, okay, we can maintain it at sixty bucks because we can monetize and grow in other ways with uh, DLC and all that kind of stuff. But, and I think they still intend to do that, but now you have to look for another revenue source, another way to grow revenues. And when you've been keeping games at 60 bucks for like 15 years, that seems like an obvious way to increase revenue. You know, it was probably uh, an, uh, like really effective in the uh, keeping games at, at 60 bucks is the, uh, the rise of uh, digital purchases of, of games um, that if you're not paying to put it on a disc or put it on a cartridge or whatever, uh, put it in a box, send it to a store, pay the store to carry it, you know, like uh, cutting out a lot of middlemen means that your individual cut on a, a platform is much bigger, especially when those platforms are owned by Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, um, that that probably helped them quite a bit uh, to keep prices steady um while making more money yeah that's such a good point it's just like all these little ways that they were able to like increase profit margins but now they've exhausted those and it's like okay we have to come up with a new way to grow and increase revenue Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hear also that there's like a little bit of like sob story for some of the most uh, profitable entertainment property properties uh, in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, they they got to They got to make money. That's that's why they exist. Yeah. I mean, it's always a little hard to root for Ubisoft take two and EA. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, and also like, you know, should we be rooting for any of these companies? I don't know. Let's just root for games experiences that we want at prices we can afford. Well, speaking of which, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion releases Woo! next week. And um, as we get closer uh, to the release date, Square Enix has posted an FAQ about the game. So some highlights from that. Um, the game was ported using Unreal Engine. The game has full English voiceover for the first time. And the dialogue was recorded by the same voice actors used for Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
awesome. Got to say that's awesome. That's so cool. I can't believe they're unifying this like aesthetic of remake un- under like one banner for uh, all of the Final Fantasy VII games, or at least these two so far. It's very cool. Mark, you can keep going. Well, and th- this last part I thought was interesting from like a technical perspective. So, uh, in the FAQ, they talk about we're considering this to be something between a remake and a remaster. But the part that was interesting to me is that according to Square Enix, the new edition runs pretty much from the game's original programming. They just updated like with updated assets and presentation. Right, but it's massively updated assets, right? Right. Like, um, it's it, it's the same, uh, like, uh, if they're not the exact same models, they're at least using the same designs as Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Uh, I've never played Crisis Core. I, and I, if my memory's right, you never played it either? Yeah, I didn't own a PSP. So, uh, and that's, right? That's that's where it was, yeah. was on PSP? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was such a big fan of uh, the original Final Fantasy VII, uh, and you know, it, like if I had had the opportunity, I totally would have at least given a try to to Crisis Core. Um, and I, I think I am duty bound and honor bound to uh, play and uh, experience this game when it comes. I can't, I can't believe it's a week from. I now. know it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, we talked about uh, this a little bit in what we've been playing, but now that Splatoon 3's chill season update is live, we know the dates of the first big run event in Splatoon 3. Uh, again, it's happening this Friday, December 9th, starting at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and runs through Sunday, December 11th at the same time. Um, big run is a new event in Splatoon 3. You play Sam and Run in the Wahoo World stage, which is usually part of Turf Wars. But excited to see if there's other like changes to the game world because the way that they've been uh, talk like you know leading up to this first big run, they've been talking about it in a way that makes made me think it was going to be more of like an event, and so we'll see if yeah. uh, you know like how for the Splatfests, you know they like take over the um, common area, and if they'll do a similar thing here. I was sort of under the impression that the big runs would take place not in like a different level but like in the actual like town hub the city hub right in right? Splatsville exactly that's why that's what i thought that's when they're like oh it's like happening in wahoo world it's like oh that's cool that like you're playing salmon run on a turf war thing but it's not what i thought it was going to be and so yeah. that's why i'm hoping that like splatsville itself gets a uh, uh, like a big run makeover like it's like a state of emergency Right. Yeah. No, that would be very cool. And like sandbags up around like storefronts uh, would, would would be very cool. I mean, you, you think that they would have to like redesign how Splatsville works to like, because there's not a lot of verticality or like different pathways through that, that area. Um, but like they could do it. They could do it. It'd be super fun. Yeah. It all makes it. I mean, yeah. What you're saying makes sense. Like uh, by as it is now, you couldn't really do salmon run in Splatsville, but that's what I feel like. That's what I was led to believe. Yes, I I, I feel like that's what we were led to believe, and uh, also just I want it. Like it, that's the reason it sounds so Im- improbable. Uh, is the same reason why I want to see it, right? Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, the 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 area isn't surrounded by water, but let's get like water pouring in over the the uh, the buildings or something. Like I I want I want to see it someday, Mark. I want to see it. <laughs> Finally, the Wii U celebrated its 10th anniversary last month, which we marked by each saying 10 nice things and only nice things, only um, nice about things. it. 
And if I you, still have the button. I can push the button at any time. <laughs> you wouldn't dare. If you haven't listened to that episode, uh, go check it out. But uh, the Wii U's 10th anniversary is a party that never ends. And a few days ago, the NPD group shared the top 10 best-selling Wii U games in the United States, in the United States based on <laughs> dollar sales. So here we go. Number 10, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Number 9 was Pokémon Tournament. Number eight was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Pretty crazy for being the last game, Nintendo first party game, uh, released on the system. Uh, when being simultaneously released on another platform. Yeah. Mario Party 10 at number seven. New Super Mario Brothers U at number six. Splatoon at number five. Super Mario 3D World at number four. Super Mario Maker at number three, which makes sense to me because it was such a good fit for that hardware. Yep. Uh, number two, Mario Kart 8, and number one, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Uh, which, I, get, I mean, just uh, worth putting a pin in, knowing that uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe would go on to be, uh, you know, such a, a behemoth on, on Switch, that Super Smash Brothers for Wii U sold better than Mario Kart 8. Um, Mark, I owned eight of these games. Very good. Which ones did you not own? Let me guess. Let well, me guess. I was going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario I'm Party gonna, 10. Yeah, Mario Party 10 is correct. And Pokémon Tournament. Pokémon Tournament. Mark, you know me so well. <laughs> um uh Mark, which of these uh, well, it's it, it's also uh funny how many of these games have been either directly ported to Switch or more or less ported to Switch. Um like uh Smash Brothers more or less in Ultimate. Obviously Ultimate is a much bigger deal. Um Mario Kart directly ported uh and then with more stuff. Uh, Super Mario Maker, Mario Maker 2 is kind of a, a, a port. Super Mario 3D World, yeah, exactly. Um, Splatoon, I have argued that Splatoon 2 is just more Splatoon, but uh, okay. New Super Mario Brothers U, yes, absolutely. Um, Mario Party 10, no. We have not seen Mario Party 10 on Switch yet. Um, Breath of the Wild, we already, yeah. Uh, Pocket Tournament and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, yeah, both of those are uh so basically all of these except for mario party 10 yeah that is pretty wild um well mark the party never ends but the episode has to end sometime let's close this out That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKA Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. There's also a Discord that we run where we're just hanging out, having fun conversations about Nintendo. You can email us or tweet at us for an invitation there, and you can have those fun conversations yourself. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.